0: Welcome to the Power Through the 4th Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. This is Jackie Bauer. Thank you for joining me today on the path to becoming better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. I really enjoy my new intro. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Facebook, any place that takes reviews. Um, We had another really good week as far as people listening to the podcast. I'm really excited about it, you guys. And we got more ratings and reviews. And you know what happened? We went onto the front page of Apple Podcasts when you search for Roller Derby. It's harder than you'd think to get Roller Derby podcasts to show up when you search for Roller Derby. Because you know what you get a bunch of weirdo podcasts that had one episode about roller derby where they're like, huh, what's roller derby? That's weird. Let's talk about this weird sport. Do you think they punch each other? And I'm like, that, mm, Or you'll find really old podcasts that maybe haven't been updated in a few years and you're like, where's my current roller derby? Here it is. It's power through the fourth whistle, you guys and you're gonna find a new adorable logo. There's this cute little girl with a blonde braid, and she's like, "Er," she's, she's powering through the fourth whistle. She's She's got so much passion inside of her. It's coming out through her giant eyes, because it's a little chibi, and I'm really excited about her. Um, the art was done by derby name Mara Jaded, uh, slash Autumn Rushlow of the Small Town Outlaws. If you like her artwork, please go check her out. Anyway, That was a big tangent. I should go through the rest of our places you can find Power Through the Fourth Whistle. Of course, it's at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Power Through Fourth Whistle, P-O-W-E-R-T-H-R-U, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E. Woo! I did it without screwing up. And you can email your derby thoughts to powerfourthwhistle at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Power Fourth Whistle. And we're on Instagram now, at Power Fourth Whistle. I'm new to Twitter and Instagram. You could teach me any of these things. And you might even be able to find some stuff on Pinterest now. I'm just trying to get everywhere so everyone can power through the fourth whistle. So last week we talked about how do you get on a roster? And the short list of what we came up with was basically upping your derby IQ by watching as much derby as you can, Getting as much scrimmage and derby situations so you can recognize situations, know what to do, when to do it, being a good listener, asking good questions, participating fully in practice, being committed to the team, and understanding that at the end of the day, it's about trust. The skaters have to want you out there with them. So that brings us to today's topic. If you're getting rostered a little bit more, how do you get more playing time? I'd like to welcome back again, Coach Dan. Hi, Coach Dan. Hello. He's been sitting here the whole time listening to me ramble. He's a very nice guest (laughs) slash (laughs) co-host. Sure. I was like, what is she talking about? Uh, So I wanted him on for this episode again because I don't think this is a, a purely from a skater standpoint. I think it's good to have a coaching standpoint because... This is both. This is things you can do as a skater and things coaches are looking for. So we wanna hear from a coach. And I think to get started, we should talk a little bit about um I think the target of our podcast today is the player who is in a rotating position, a rotator, either as a jammer or a blocker. Coach Dan, what how do you define this role? Like what do you look for? Like how do players get into this role in the first place?
1: Okay. Yep. It depends, right? Uh, I don't know what every league's strategy is on this, but I would say that majority of leagues have kind of two approaches. They have, as far as blocking uh, and jamming go, uh, they have their proven like group of blockers that they send out there repeatedly and then substitute somebody in if there's penalty trouble or someone is tired. Or they have lines, um, where four blockers that go out who play together very often and then the other four blockers go out and they rest one on, one off, and those lines don't change very often. And jammer, jammers usually have a rotation, um, most of the time, one, two, three. Sometimes there's some swapping around for matchups or things like that, but a three or four jammer rotation seems to be consistently the way that it's done. And the ro- when we say uh, a rotator, what we're talking about in our league or the way that we set things up is somebody who is not part of that regular uh, rotation of blockers or that regular rotation of jammers that goes in only under certain circumstances. And the main, the main reason that somebody ends up in a rotator position to start with is that we just added them to the roster, but we're not sure where they fit. We're not sure exactly what line they should play with or We're convinced at this point that a skater in the position they would occupy, that we have somebody else with more experience who is a little more proven, a little more trusted, or has a certain set of skills that we need more. So what this translates to is a rotator typically spends at least the first five to 10 minutes of the game on the bench, not doing much of anything. And the coaching staff is typically waiting to see where they should go in, what type of a game they're in, or where they could be effective. They may also have, and this is always the tough part to tell to a rotator, somebody on the bench who is excited about being a part of their first game, they have no kind of playing time guarantee. It's it's sort of a limbo, right? Because if the game is in a certain way, we may choose to play out the game with a certain group that may not include this person. So this these are definitely the people who come to me after a game or before games, and they want to know exactly the answer to this question, how do I get more playing time? They might be on the roster, but they spend most of the game on the bench, not in a line or not as a regular jammer. So they are the type of people who ask this question.
0: So I suppose I could transition into asking, how would you, how do you get into the position How do you choose the people who are in the lines together? And then maybe we can talk about how you transition from rotator to being one of these line people who you have a home in this line. Um, How do you match up players to work together into two lines if that's what a team is doing?
1: Going back to what we talked about last week, normally it's, Not so much about matchmaking on the part of the coach, but the players kind of vocalizing who they want to work with, are comfortable with, who they like practicing with, and who they feel the most effective with. Every line needs a few things. I mean, you want an anchor, like somebody who is proficient at striking. You want somebody who takes up a lot of space. You want a communicator, somebody who can keep everybody together and on the same page. And you want a really good positional hustler with speed and agility. You don't want everybody to kind of be the same speed. You want somebody to have the role of running down that blocker at the front. Now, that is, as a coach, you would throw that together and say, I have created the perfect formula (laughs) for victory. And it uh, sounds really nice in theory, Mm -hmm. but the truth is, none of that matters if the skaters out there aren't clicking. Mm -hmm. So that's why the chemistry is even more important. So we try to get those different elements together on a line with people who are familiar with and work well together. That is why most skaters who get called up to roster end up in that bench spot a lot because they are usually fighting for a spot with people who already have chemistry and experience. And that is that's sort of where that comes from. As far as a jamming rotation, it's this doesn't seem like it would matter as much for a jammer um because jammers feel like they're on their own, but it does. Uh almost more so. Like
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can tell when a group of blockers believes in their jammer. There's like a body language to it. There's a confidence to the blockers when the blockers go out there with like a new jammer that in a situation where they're up by, you know, a bunch of points and the game isn't close, they say, OK, we're going to get this new jammer a bunch of points. We're going to play offense for her. It's going to be great. That's happy derby, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to go out there as a new jammer and your line is totally behind you. Yay, she got points. Every, the bench explodes. Uh, the photos are taken. Everything is great.
0: We're all going to be a part of your success. We're going to build your confidence.
1: Change that to it's a close game against a rival.
0: A game that really matters.
1: And look at the body language of those skaters when you send out that new jammer. It's totally different, right? Everybody just looks terrified. Please, dear God, don't let this go wrong. <laughs> All right, that 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 body language, that tension, is exactly what you have to tr- do your best to avoid uh, as a as a coach and as line makers. So when you are a jammer trying to get into the rotation, you have to. Like basically beat the believance into your own team at practice. If you at practice can kick their butt, Mm -hmm. then they believe you will kick the other team's butt. That sounds really weird. But Mm -hmm. whereas as a blocker at practice, you go in there and you try to learn how to work with your teammates, right? And get along with them. As a jammer, you need to destroy them
0: just kick their butts
1: you need to destroy them they have to be when they think of your name they think of i can't wait to see what she does to so and so other team we're gonna play that's that's how you get time as a jammer
0: you want to be that player who it's your turn in the drill and the blockers look at you and go oh no (laughs) not this person i'm not ready
1: yeah yeah it's kind of the opposite of Like what we talked about in that game situation. Because in the game situation, you flip that script and she comes onto the track and your blockers are like, oh yeah.
0: So you challenge (laughs) the holy heckins out of your blockers and then they will go to war for you because they see you step up to the jam line and they're like, oh yeah, we've got this. There's just a whole another level of confidence when they believe in the jammer that they have Mm -hmm. stepping up to the plate.
1: Yeah, um, we've we've been in situations where the team believed in a jammer so much that the jammer may have had an average game, but the team had a tremendous game because they just didn't think they could lose with this person on the track. Even though the other team would do a good job and throw everything they had against that jammer, the blockers and the other jammers on the team just felt indestructible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, how you get there is going to be a lot of practice and a lot of work. And honestly, um, I think that's something like we've kind of, we'll, we'll circle back to blockers. Um, but we kind of delved into jamming for a bit. So have you talked about jammer matchmaking?
0: Oh, I haven't. This would be a great time to talk about that. Briefly.
1: This. You know, you can do, a, I know you can do a whole podcast on it, but right. as far as jammers upping their game Like Everybody has a jamming style, and most of the time they're so different that you think you're completely unique, and it's hard necessarily to have a role model in jamming, Mm -hmm. but uh, you have a really good solution to this.
0: Well, it started with selfishly finding them for myself, of course, because I would watch uh, WFTDA.TV, and I would see these jammers, just certain ones that I would just hone in on, that I would see what they were doing and be like... I can do that. I'm actually all about that. I have that hip flexibility. I have that range of motion. This is what I like doing when I'm jamming. And so I would keep watching them for ideas, for moves, and for uh, jukes, and just different things to throw at blockers. And so I've got like a, a short list, you know, of a few, like two or three, that I'm super into at all times, and I'll watch any game they're in, blowout or not, because I am absorbing what they have and I am throwing it into my feet basically. Um, so then at practice, I will see my teammates and I I love what they do, but I get a feel for what they're about, for what they're good at, for what they like to do. And I kind of match make in my head with a jammer I feel like they should watch. Like uh, an example is we have a jammer on our team who's Uh, Very, very tall and thin, long legs, can step around anybody, loves doing little toe-stoppy things, just loving the lines. And when I saw her, I immediately thought about Space Invader and about Misty Maven. And so I sent her those two names and said, you should watch these two jammers. I think that they have a lot of things that you like, and it's going to help you really round out your moveset because you can see what else you can do. And so sure enough, like she's already taking more risks and looking more like them every day because I know she's watching those players. We've got another one who reminds me of Sarah Chambers. So I'm like, I sent her a YouTube clip. I'm like, watch this jammer. This is what you're about. This is what she's about. This is like, you turned up to 11. So see if you can turn up the dial by watching her. And it's just, you know, you just have to find somebody to crush on that is... You in the future, like the idealized version of you, if everything went well and your training was amazing and you're on this amazing team and you worked really hard, you could be this player.
1: And I would say that blockers could do that too, but a lot of a blocker's identity gets kind of soaked into the group they're playing with and the system that they're playing with, that it's a little bit harder in that case. But I
0: do still do it with blockers sometimes, and I know blockers also find their role models as well. Mm -hmm. but yeah, it is about the system and it's, it's a little bit more about team play. Like think about Gotham. They're all, they all have a very specific playing style. There are individuals within that playing style who can do some fantastic things that are unique to them. But for the most part, everyone's on the same page. Uh, Bay area is another really good example of a team of people who just always wanted to be kind of doing the same things together. Um, anyway, I think we're spending a little bit too much time on that part. Um, so, but we're basically saying one way to up your personal game is to find somebody you resonate with and watch, like, every game, every video you can find of them and try to figure out how you can pull more of that into your game. mm mm-hmm. um, So, I think when it comes to... um. Figuring out how you're going to get more playing time. I think it's really about upping your value as a player. How do you become more valuable to the team, more something to the team? Like, if you're not getting a lot of playing time, maybe you need to broaden your horizons. Uh, There are some players who, oh, I only block, oh, I only jam. But if you became somebody who the team would love to have take a star pass, a blocker that can jam or a jammer that can block, Already your playing time possibilities go way up. It doesn't guarantee you're gonna get more minutes, but the more things you can do, the more things you can do.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, hard not to agree with that.
0: So yeah, just um really throwing yourself into drills. Like if you're normally a jammer and you're like, oh, I don't like this blocking stuff, just really put yourself into it and be like, but you know what? The better I get at this, The more it's going to make me a better jammer too like just don't think of it as oh i have to do something that i don't want to do right now think of it as this is going to help me in my full skill set because you never know what you might be called upon to do
1: also never never avoid doing something because you're scared you'll get like put into that role uh i know some jammers who basically it seems like when they're asked to block they try to be a terrible blocker because they only want to jam <laughs> but, but but this this is serious this is a true story a, a jammer came to me she was a rotating jammer in the first game of last season and said i'll block i want to play more like and and you know as a coach when you hear that it's it kind of sends the message it's like you know she's like i don't want to be on the bench i'll block if that's what it takes just You know, I want to be out there. And she ended up not having to block. She ended up being a a mega jammer that season. But, like, that, the message was clear to me that day that this was somebody who was taking the game seriously. Because sometimes... Okay, ladies. I got a moment of truth. Women out there. Sometimes a coach and even your own teammates, we don't... Sometimes we're afraid to go out there and let people know how much we want this or what this means to us, or to really kind of take that risk and say where we're at for this. And it's easy to assume if somebody maybe has, makes it a few minutes late or gears up a little longer than others, or some people just have a personal style that looks more laid back than others. It's easy for somebody to get in their head that this is a bit more casual for you if that's not true, let us know. That is good to know. Uh, Trust me, we're always trying to figure out, you know, when we look at attendance, like who is serious about this? And you might just say, well, if they were serious, they'd show up. Well, life is weird. Mm -hmm. Life has a lot going on. So that person who may attend uh, 60% of practices and that person who may attend 50% of practices, if you look at a spreadsheet and say person uh, with 60% attendance is more serious about Derby that may not be the case. It It's kind of You know life and scheduling and everything like that mm-hmm. so uh, Don't be afraid to tell people what this means to you and in in terms of getting more versatile don't if you want playing time How wherever it comes say? Uh, hey, I'm gonna try to do better at jamming. I'm gonna try to do better at blocking. I want to try pivoting Be that person say what you say what you want to do say that this is important.
0: Just be okay with having it, like, plastered across your face. I want this.
1: Yeah, you you said in the past that a lot of players and coaches don't get to know you until Mm -hmm. you pass your skills. And there are more that won't get to know you until you make a roster. Because why bother? So many people have come and gone, broke their hearts. They get to know people. They just stop showing up. Or they get on their first roster. They don't like their playing time. They never come back again. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Let people know this matters. Let people know you're in it. It's the same advice, but it's still important when you're that person fighting for more space, uh, more time on the track.
0: And it's true. Like When I do see like newer skaters coming in, the ones I get most excited about are the ones who have it on their face like, oh my God, I want this so badly. They can be bambi on ice out there struggling through every drill, but if their face says, I love this so much, I want this so much, then my heart goes out to them and I want it for them too. And I, I get excited about them in the future. Like anyone who I see working really hard, I'm like, they're going to be great because they want it more. It doesn't matter where they start. <laughs> um, uh, another way you can always distinguish yourself from everybody else and get people a lot more excited about you out there on the track is anything you can do off skates outside of practice to up your endurance, your flexibility, you know, anything that's going to make you less likely to be injured, you know, by doing physical therapy, yoga, like anything you can do to make yourself faster, stronger, better endurance, uh, just better longevity in the long run, you're going to be a more valuable player. We want you out there with us and we want you doing your best the whole time. And you can do that if you can, find a way to squeeze in time to just kick your own butt before you come to practice. Mm -hmm. Hey there friends. Want to know how you can support the power through the fourth whistle roller derby podcast and look super cool doing it. Our store has a bunch of roller derby designs that can be put on all kinds of super soft, high-quality t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, hoodies, notebooks, mugs, stickers, blankets, and more at Threadless. Whether you love cartoon animals on roller skates like our Apex Predator T-Rex or jam llama to messages like Roller Derby Strong and My Mom Plays Roller Derby, there's really something for everybody. Visit powerforthwhistle.threadless.com. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E dot Threadless dot com. Thank you for your support and back to our show. Um, so you talked about the different roles a little bit in the line and how you don't actually want a group of people that's too similar to each other because you have certain needs. Uh Can you talk to me a little bit more about the need of the communicator uh, about like filling out that role in the line? Because I think that's another place where you can really increase your value as a player if you open your flipping mouth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Because there is a communicator doesn't mean that we don't need everybody to communicate. In fact, Mm -hmm. players who don't communicate, that is something I hear constantly in coaching and captain meetings is I like so-and-so, but she doesn't communicate. Mm
0: -hmm. All right.
1: So, uh, so um, talk, just narrate, just narrate. Like, like, I don't know, practice it at home. I go up and down, like (laughs) just (laughs) narrate everything you do. Just when you're on the track, just have somebody telling them about everything you're doing right now.
0: An example of my personal stream of consciousness when I am blocking and drills is just like, hey, the jammer's coming up the middle. You guys caught her great. Everything is fine. She's looking at the inside. She's going over there a little bit, but I can see you moving over, so this is fine. You've got it. Everything is cool. She's struggling and making faces of exertion. She's working really hard right now, but we've got her, so everything is fine. Oh, she's going to the outside. I'm going to swirl around here and cover that everything is still fine we're doing great
1: (laughs) and don't be afraid of screwing up don't be afraid of saying outside when you meant inside because you have to get past it
0: you have to start somewhere words have to come out of your mouth
1: is every word in that stream of consciousness from you precious
0: oh no a lot of it is to make people laugh too because they take things too seriously But honestly, you have to start somewhere. I would rather have you saying wrong words than no words when you're learning to communicate because first words have to come out. Then they can be correct. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you're too worried about looking stupid or saying the wrong thing, then you're just going to tense up and never get them out to begin with. Mm -hmm. So that's a fantastic way to just up your value as a player. Um, Another idea I thought of to up your value as a player is anything you can do to just go outside your comfort zone. Do you have any ideas about that?
1: Um, not particularly there. I, we, I mean, we always need to see people pushing themselves and taking risks. But what did you have in mind?
0: Well, in my head, I'm thinking about like, it can be in practice, it can be a game. Like if you Normally kind of just play it safe, but then you're like going out there, like chasing down the jammer, making that beautiful hit, like right at the 20 foot mark and running back. And people see that they're going to be like, wow, like it, it, you might run out there and not get it and have to come back to the pack. But if people saw you going for it, like that never give up attitude, just I'm going to crush all the things it gets them really excited and jazz like, oh, it's another way to just show how much you want this. Like, don't be timid in drills. Like if we're working on cool footwork, just do something you've never done before.
1: Um, It sounds, so this is, this is more about, uh, I guess how you conduct yourself with the time that you're given. And uh, you, you, so what you are gravitating to is what you remember that players do. Yeah. So, what you're gravitating to is I remember when a young player goes for this big play. I remember when they try to do this apex jump. I remember Mm -hmm. when they try to chase. Yeah. Um, So, those are good things to be remembered for. So, (laughs) I'm going to play the other side of the coin. Okay. Because I'm going to say what people do that they probably have habits of doing that you don't, that coaches remember. Um, because you you. I
0: remember the shiny.
1: <laughs> you remember the shiny, and it gets all this positive reinforcement. Like, everybody will want to give you a high five. The crowd will go wild. This is all great.
0: Right. This is all, this is all fun. Style points will be acquired.
1: Yeah, this is the beautiful side of things. All right. Um, the part that most people tune out, but that coaches and captains who pay attention to everybody and are looking for signs of what to do next, this is what we look for on the other side of that, and that is, how long did you take to get up? Like, if you fall in practice or a game, who gets up faster and gets on to the next thing? And who has to take a minute to sigh and look around like, did anybody see me? And make a face like, where was the call? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or has to stare at a ref or has to look at a bench or has to get up slowly one knee at a time going, well, I don't know what the heck that was. I got hit in the face. Well, Mm -hmm. if you do that and a coach or a captain sees that, and you're somebody fighting for playing time, that's what we remember.
0: Ooh.
1: All right? If you are a player who has a bad habit of watching derby, this is a habit. Players sometimes get, you're on the bench a lot, and you watch a lot of derby. Then you go in the game, and the jammer gets by. How much time do you spend watching that jammer get away com- compared to getting back together with your teammates, finding a place to play offense, sign- finding somebody to hit out of the way just to do it? How how much time that you spend on the track is useful? Because again, what what will get caught in coaches' heads is how long somebody is taking to kind of take action and shake off adversity mm-hmm. and do something positive, because there will be a lot of adversity. There will be a lot of mistakes. There will be a lot of times where you do not look amazing. The more time you spend in that zone, though, letting each one affect you, whether it's on your face, in your body language, that that is a turnoff. That is a coaching and captain turnoff. That And that will influence how much playing time you get. It 100% will. And if we have that kind of brutal sit-down-talk-to-you self-assessment of it, and I say, well, a big time, I didn't. A big reason I didn't send you back in the game is because you argued with a ref, or you fell down and you had to look around, making this big angry show, being dramatic about it. Nobody wants to hear that because they will rattle off the list of like ten things they did. Hmm? That's what I remember. That's what I saw. That's what your coach saw. That's drawing the negative attention to yourself. Now I'm forgiving of those things. I have no problem with it. But a lot of people have this habit. They do it and it it cuts time it cuts seconds out of their game mm-hmm. seconds that could be useful seconds that your team needs and i'll um as far as more of that um let's progress it to the bench let's let's talk about like before let's talk about attitude on the bench because um i've learned a few i've learned a lot of things about on the bench and how people communicate and We
0: figured out recently, I think you've been coaching six years now. This is your sixth year.
1: It's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So what I would say is that I used to go around and I would get frustrated if I was like offering the jammer star and the body language was, I don't want to, or anybody who was shaky or I said, hey, are you ready right now? And they would say, I don't know. I used to be very intolerant of that. I've learned that people just process things differently. So I don't, I've don't. i learned not to ask that question very often, unless I really am ready for like an honest answer and to figure things out. And nowadays, if a jammer who I trust tells me that they're not ready right now, I'll figure out how to call a timeout or bug the officials until there's an official timeout and get them some time. And usually that's good enough. But so I'm not as, if I get in your face and ask you, are you ready to do this right now? I don't just want a generic yes, no matter what. I think that that's a mistake some coaches get into, but that might be the coach you have. You may have a coach because I I say this because I was annoyed with it for years and I didn't know how to process it. But there are a lot of coaches and bench managers. All they want to hear is yes. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you ready to do this right now? Yes. If you say no, or I don't think this would be a good time, they may never send you in for the whole game. Like, now I hope that you get to a better place of honesty where you can really tell somebody why now or why not now or things like that. Because I think I've gotten there with my players, but a lot of coaches and captains are just never in that place. And the only reasonable answer is yes. If you have that type of team... You have to be ready (laughs) and you have to say yes to whatever they ask you to do. And you have to go out there and do it to the best of your ability. And you have to have good body language. God, I know some of you have those resting mean faces that you can't do anything about, but do try to keep it from, don't try to keep a positive attitude when you're not getting much playing time. You can do wonders for your coach and your captains and your teammates, because believe me, You may, some people have this habit too, they try to draw attention to themselves by making everybody aware of how unhappy they are. And they think that will solve the problem. What that does is it works on a few players on the team who do feel guilty, who want to see you play. It makes them play worse. That's not good for the team. And I have zero tolerance for that. Absolutely not. Because you may not be what the team needs, even if you think you are. And if you make the players who the team needs right now feel bad and play worse, I will remove you. (laughs) Because you are a problem. However, if you do a good job of not drawing that attention to yourself and supporting others, and letting others know that you are fine, go do your thing right now, and encouraging others, that is somebody that I want on the bench. And while you are on the bench, you are an option. That means someday you keep working hard, you will get in and you will play more, and everybody will have a good opinion of you. If I have to remove you because you draw negative attention to yourself, you are not an option. Does that make sense?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's actually really great because... uh I was coming up with all the ways you could become more valuable to the team, adding more value, positive effect. And you come, you bring to mind, well, on the flip side of that, don't bring negative effect. Don't decrease the value to the team. Don't take away from what others are able to accomplish on the track through your actions, your attitude, your body language. So both of those are so important. Um, I really liked you going on that kind of rant there. Uh, It actually makes me want to completely nix uh, the last bullet point I had on there because I think it should be its own episode in the future, and that is the topic of feedback, how to ask for it, when to ask for it, how to um, figure it out for yourself to other ways that you can figure out where you're goofing up, or not goofing up, but where you can improve. Um, So I want that to be its own thing because I think it should be. And in the meantime, I think we should just quickly summarize what we've covered here. And then I have a mailbag question that I am excited to answer. So um, we talked about the definition of a rotator because we believe that's mainly the target of this episode of the podcast. A person who wants more playing time. And we talked about ways you can increase that playing time by finding derby heroes to watch. Figuring out what they do and how you can emulate that to up your skills, to become a better communicator. Uh, open your mouth on the track. Anyone can do this, even jammers.
1: Let people know you want this.
0: Yeah, let people know you want this in your face, in your actions. Always be showing how much you want this. It's okay to do that. You're you're not not cool if you do that. Becoming more versatile. You know jammers learning to block blockers learning to jam the more you can do the more you can do Um, any kind of off skates training you can do will make you a more valuable player and don't do anything that's taking away from the team Uh, coach Dan just went on a whole thing about this if you are taking away from the team you are not gonna get more playing time I've seen this quote on Pinterest plenty of places You can't control the amount of minutes you play, but you sure can control how you play them. If you are engaged every second of every minute you do get on the track, you are going to be so much more likely to get more of them. All right. Let's go to mailbag. If you guys write in more questions, I will make a mailbag song. So there's that. Okay. Uh, This person wrote into the Facebook page. I will not say their name in case they didn't want that uh, on the air. Hello. So I'm coming back from a car accident that stopped me from playing or even working out a lot. I'm finding I'm having issues with energy and endurance. I know this will just take training and time, but I was trying to see if there were any pre-workout supplements slash drink powder that could benefit me while trying to get back into derby shape. I run out of energy very fast. I was off skates for a year. Okay, so uh, the first thing I want to suggest before I jump to the topic of specific pre-workout supplements is I would run through all the list of things that are not that first. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's a bad idea. I'm just going to say first, are you getting enough sleep? Are you hydrating enough? Like make sure you are drinking tons of water throughout the day, both of these things are absolutely gonna affect your energy levels. And as far as just a little bit of a pick-me-up before a workout, um, I find that green tea can be a good option. Even a little bit of coffee isn't that bad. Uh, I actually read an article written by Rogue Runner at Fitness Gone Rogue about how a little bit of caffeine before a practice or a game often give her a little bit more pep in her step. And worked out for now sometimes with caffeine there are pitfalls of having a crash later but it really depends on the length of your workout and what you wanted to accomplish isn't enough to get you through this and the reason I I said these other things first is um, I have had some experience with pre-workout powder and I think it's really great if you're going in for a workout but I'm gonna tell you a story So I was on this team, and they like to use pre-workout powder before a game. Give them a little bit of edge, a little bit more aggression. And um, they called it crack powder because it's funny to say. And it's something that, you know, you can dissolve in water. Or they told me, oh, don't just put it right on your tongue. It's fine. So this one day, I was feeling a little bit more anxious before going to the game. I just wasn't sure if I had everything it took. I knew this was going to be a tough opponent we were playing I was going in as a blocker and I was just like, okay, you guys are all taking this pre-workout powder. I'm gonna try it. You should never try anything before a game that you haven't tried out at a practice. I went out there and I was rabid. I was, I was attacking everything. I was never letting the jammer go. So I was like the most aggressive version of myself, but I also almost fouled out of that game. <laughs> So I never took it again because I didn't feel like I had a lot of clear focus. When you need to be calm and controlled, maybe don't do the pre-workout powder. But if you want the pre-workout powder for the workout, then do it for the workout and I actually had to message one of my old teammates to find out the name of this kind because I will say it was highly effective and if I had been like lifting some weights or doing some straight up cardio where I wasn't gonna like hurt anyone, it would have been great. This version is called Alarm Ultra, pre-training workout formula, uh, powerful performance powder, Ultra concentrated dosing you can find it on Amazon and the flavor was watermelon ice so that that takes me back (laughs) but she says the watermelon flavor was horrible I don't remember it tasting horrible but that was it was fine for what it was Um, so that's one I have tried I can recommend but I would say go through all those other options first okay And with that, our mailbag has come to an end. I hope that was in some way helpful and will encourage others to maybe write in, even though I sounded like a bit of a goof. All right. Uh, Coach Dan, any parting derby thoughts?
1: I spent all my time coaching that team trying to get them to calm down. Now I know why.
0: (laughs) Because they were crazy when they had pre-workout powder. All right, then. We have been talking about Derby and sharing Derby thoughts. Pew, pew.